Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Just as we have an innate desire to explore spirituality, so there's an equally strong desire to seek and create beauty. Kevin Friedman is an award-winning and internationally acclaimed jeweler and is the latest in a line of jewelers going back seven generations. He'll be running a session at Limud on making beads in Magendavid beads. Kevin, a, a beaded Magendavid. A beaded Magendavid. Hello there. Kevin, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, thank you. Um, Kevin, you come from a long line of um, jewelers. You the seventh. Well, that's what my grandfather said that it was seventh or eighth, so I, I decided let's not over-exaggerate, yes. <laughs> um, do you want to go back in your history? Well, my um, grandfather came from Riga, and his father was a jeweler and watchmaker to the local czar. Uh, and um, I grew up in the jewelry industry with my father and my grandfather, so I did my apprenticeship and, and mentored in their uh, factory and in their workshop. And then my father's been incredibly encouraging for me. And he allowed me to go to London to study jewelry history and then to the U.S. to further my studies. So I'm really a jewelry historian and jeweler and artist all kind of wrapped up in what? And creator and, uh, you know... We were talking earlier about spirituality and our need for spirituality. But when I think back on kind of earliest man and woman, they were decorating beach uh, ostrich eggshells as it's, adornments. It's actually very, very interesting. South Africa is an incredibly rich source. In fact, it's the richest source in the world for ancient artifacts. Yes. And how they define artifacts is that the human animal is the only animal that adorns itself. So the Blomos Caves, 70,000 years old, have actually found shells with holes in them that were worn as necklaces and as jewelry. So the form of adornment differentiates the human animal from beasts. So it's a fascinating, fascinating topic. It is an absolutely fascinating topic. And one of the things that I find so amazing is that the resources that we have, you know, we look at Mapungupwe and we look at the, the golden rhino oh. and we look at the resources that we have within the ground and turning that into such beautiful artifacts. And I'm quite envious of you <laughs> of having the ability to work with natural goods and turn it into something so creative. Look, the thing is, is that number one, um, envy is not right because in life it's a journey and if it's a journey and something you'd like to explore, there are wonderful modes of being able to create jewelry, which is the reason that I'm sharing some of my skills at the Limud conference so that you can come along and learn how to bead. I've made bigger beads with bigger threads, so it's not too, uh, challenging. too challenging, but it is still reasonably challenging. But the crea- creativity is an outlet that Everybody's got something that they're creative with, and it just gives you an opportunity. And if jewelry is your passion, which is absolutely my passion, I get so much joy and pleasure from creating and sharing because the whole thing is is that when I see somebody wearing one of my creations, I get so excited because it means that it's giving somebody else even more pleasure than it gave me to create. Well, you're working with, I mean, I saw that you have created a a $16 million I don't know what this is upon a hollow necklace, but I do see it has 300 carats of diamonds. So you are working with beautiful materials. Look, I mean, it's, it's quite funny because we, I run community development programs in the rural areas. So we kind of start with products that start at, say, 15 rand and then go up to infinity. 
So for me, the aesthetic is the most important. So, and that's kind of where my art jewelry came in because originally sitting in the store, people would come in and bring a diamond and diamonds are beautiful, but so are many other things. So for me, if you can place uh, value in something that's aesthetically pleasing, then it too can become a piece of jewelry. So it doesn't matter if it is a beautiful diamond or if it's a fabulous shell or if it's a piece of an old computer, because if something has aesthetic beauty, then it deserves to get ple- to give pleasure and it deserves to exist. Well, let's look. Let's go back a little bit and look at beads. Yes. Okay. And I know you have also created an Indabelle collar for. Charlize Tehran, which I can only imagine was like an amazing. Well, it was actually a De Beers competition. It was an international competition, and the awards were in in Paris, and I won the award for that competition. So that was also set with large diamonds. So the whole competition was a diamond competition, and then she got to wear it for the cover of one of the magazines, which was a huge honor. Unbelievable. But when you look at beadwork, beadwork is such an integral part of the culture of of South Africa. And it's really interesting because, again, going back into history, the first beads were actually traded with the Japanese about I think I, I can't remember exactly the date, but I'm going to say around 400 years uh, BCE that they actually shipped across in a little boat with their beads and they traded for a giraffe, which they took back to Japan. Oh, my goodness. And they've actually found the giraffe bones and they found the beads. In Japan was, or on the way to No, Japan? no, no, no. It was in Japan. <laughs> so it made and it. The, and, but the, they traded in Mozambique. So that was the first interaction with trade with beads. Um, beads have got a really interesting history because the Venetian Empire, for them to use ballasts in the ships, they didn't have any raw materials like marble. So they were importing the marble to use as a ballast for a ship. And you would have needed between two and four people to move a ballast. And they were making glass. So they decided to make the glass beads, which were cheap, easy, and could take one person with a shovel to rebalance the ballast of the ship. And they could trade the beads. And hence the reason that all the coastal areas that uh, the Venetians traded with have got a bead culture. So whether it's South America, like Namibia does not have a bead culture because they never had any trading uh, history with them. So, Right, let's go just straight into Indabele beads. Because yes. Indabele particularly have a, a culture of bright and colorful and intricate beadwork, often worn around the neck, if I remember correctly, yes. and as earrings. Um, Okay, it, I'll, I'll go back to African culture. And in South African culture specifically, it's very rude to ask personal questions. Okay. So all the answers are worn in the form of adornment. Yeah. So the traditional dress is worn with the ilanga kobe, which are the tears of joy, which is a band that's worn around the head with strips that go down on the sides. And that means that you have a son who's gone through initiation, so he's been to the mountains. So it tells you... Every adornment. So if you're wearing beadwork and you've got holes in the patterns, it means that you are the primary wife. If there are no holes in the patterns, it means that you're not the first wife. So there are lots of things that go in because you can't ask personal questions, but if you know the culture, the personal questions are all shown so to you. So jewelry is actually a code of communication. Yes, absolutely. And looking back, Kevin, um, to what jewelry is today and the kinds of things that you create, thinking back maybe, you know, seven generations, do you think your forebears would have been shocked at the jewelry today in terms of creativity or do you think that there's some unifying 
you know, I just go back three generations and I, and I say my grandfather was, you know, when I was setting a ring for a client and I put the diamonds upside down and he said, you can't do that. And I'm like, but look how pretty it is. It looks like a hedgehog. <laughs> so, yes. so the thing is, is that yes, absolutely. But that being said is the, the mainstream jewelry is still very comfortable. And I mean, when you look at design, the most difficult thing to achieve in design is simplicity. So you look at the classic cluster. That is the perfect design because you can look at it over and over again and you'll never get tired of it because the simplicity and the cleanness of the design really kind of fills you and feeds you. And you spoke about people coming in and with a diamond ring, yes. with a diamond and wanting a ring. Yes. Are diamonds forever? Or are they slowly becoming... Um, you know, it's such a tough question that, you know, when everybody, anybody asks me, do I think that a diamond is an investment? And I always say a diamond is an investment in pleasure because if you can look down at your hand and smile, doesn't matter what it's cost you, it is giving you immense pleasure. From a financial investment, I think that it's not something that I would say go and invest in, but I wouldn't say it's, it's going to lose its value. Because it is something intrinsic from the earth and it does have a real, a realness to it. Whereas so many of the things that we do invest in don't have a realness. Well, I mean, I just kind of, you know, really enjoy looking at jewelry. And I see some jewelers, and it's just my observation, and I'd love you to kind of correct me if I'm wrong. Some jewelers go in for tanzanite and that's their thing and some jewelers go in for other gemstones and is it true that you all have your own areas of speciality or is there a lot of overlap and what is the competition like between jewelers um look the thing is is that today your real competition is your cell phone suppliers and your travel consultants not your other jewelers because when a person loves jewelry and gets pleasure from jewelry then they will always wear jewelry and just rejoice and embrace it so the competition from the other jewelers is just a matter what what I do. So somebody comes in and they bring me jewelry that they're not wearing. The first thing as a jewelry historian, if it has historical value, I'm like, no, let's not do it. <laughs> but um, we often take a piece apart and then adjust it to their personalities. Because if you think about it, you've now got these, what, these wonderful charm bracelets, but now charm bracelets are now worn as necklaces. So... Fashions just change and update, and things that have in, have value in an emotional sense will always have that that history, that provenance to you of this was the diamond. Because a lot of other stones, when you look at, say, a cubic, it will smash. It, it's not going to hold the way a diamond will hold. And to what extent do people come in with you to you with ideas? And to what extent are you the one who gives other people ideas? Look, I've, I've got a thing that if somebody's coming to me, they're obviously not going to get something that's mass produced or made. Or they don't want me to copy. They want to come to me because they want to get something that's special. So, and if, if we can work a collaboration, then that's always the best because then it's, it's going to be really their personality. But if they haven't got, um, an idea, we can always play and come to a solution. Would you ever tell somebody, no, that's not going to work? Um, you know, the thing is, is that yes and no. So what I would do is I'll make it in wax then so that they can try it on because often you can't 
trans- translate from a drawing. That yeah. if a stone is very, very deep and it should be as a pendant because as a ring it's going to be sitting almost a hand height above, it's not going to be comfortable. So there are things that over years you do, you do learn. But if somebody really feels that strongly, I'm very happy to accommodate. So if anybody would like to get hold of you, um, how should they do so? Um, I'm based in Norwood. And my cell number is probably uh, the best, uh, 083-654-1730. And do you take on ordinary clients or only Charlize Theron and uh, models of similar? No, as long as somebody's <laughs> passionate and uh, wants something uh, beautiful. You know, I'm I'm very happy to play. You know, for me, my life is about playing. So um, you're going to be playing a little bit at Limwood. Um yes. You're going to be making beaded magandovets. Yes. And um, I will give out those details for uh, Limwood a little bit later. But um, enjoy. And Kevin, thank you so much for coming in. No, thank you so much for inviting me and having and and exposing me to this beautiful environment. Yeah. <laughs>